Romans chapter 5. We're going to read together verses 1 through 5. Now, uh, we have uh, some technical issues. Uh, just so you know, our everything, these updates come on these computers and some things don't stick up with the updates. The softwares sometimes don't stick up with the updates and so forth. So uh, we don't have anything on the screen for you. That's why they didn't have the, the words of the songs and the uh, so you won't have the scriptures on the screen tonight. So that's why you bring your B-I-B-L-E. Hallelujah. I told you, never ever start relying on technology. Technology is from man. It will fail you. But the word of God will never fail. Amen. Hallelujah. God's word will never, ever, ever, ever fail. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, are you there? Yes, Romans 5. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. So if you have that, let's read. Ready, go. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us, who was given to us. So verse 2 again said, through whom also we have access by faith into this Grace. So we're talking tonight on the subject again, tap into the grace. This is part two of that, tap into the grace. Our Father and our God tonight, thank you for giving us this opportunity to spend this time in your word. I thank you, Father, that you've anointed me to minister this word. I pray, I thank you that, Father, according to your word, you've made me an able minister of the New Testament. And I pray, Father, that, God, that your ability will be strong upon me, Father, your power, your anointing will be strong upon me, Father, that, God, that you would give me divine utterance to speak that which I hear from, from heaven, and that, God, you give me divine unction, Lord, to do that which I see you do. And I ask that, God, that your people have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive the word of God. Let the word of God fall on good ground and produce the, the harvest that you see it to produce, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Praise God. All right. So the Bible says in verse 2 again that we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So we're talking, remember uh, three Wednesdays ago, uh, we taught on tap into the grace. Tap into the grace. Y'all remember that? The following Wednesday, Elder Baker ministered. And then last Wednesday night, we were over at um, another church ministering over there. And so we're just now getting back into this message on tap into the grace. I certainly hope that you took some time in the last three weeks to listen to that message, to watch that message, to review it. I had like three yeses. Um, so that's probably not good, but we can try to review a little bit tonight um, to get us up to speed. It's very important that we go over these things. Very important that we review the message. Faith comes by hearing, hearing and hearing comes by what? The word, the word of God. Now, what I want to start out talking about is the fact that God, in his, in his original creation, his original plan, designed us to uh, dominate over this world system. He designed us to dominate this world system. Say that. He designed us to dominate this world system. God didn't design us to be under anything. 
to not to live under conditions, not to live under weather. He designed us to live over and above everything in this world system. In Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 26 through 28, the Bible says, God said, let us make man in our own image and our own likeness, right? And then verse 27 says, so uh, God made man in his own image and his likeness, uh, male and female, he created them. Then verse 28 of, Romans, of, of Genesis chapter 1 rather says that, and then God blessed them and God said to them, what? Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over. So be fruitful, multiply, fill, King James says replenish, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over so and so forth. So notice it says he blessed them and said to them, do this. So when he blessed them, he gave them a power. That word blessed, uh, we have all kind of definitions that we've given throughout, you know, you hear good faith teaching, you hear blessed means empowerment to prosper. But I want to I uh, give you just a, a little um, updated, uh, or at least as it, as it pertains to what I'm teaching tonight, that that word blessed, when it blessed them, uh, that the blessing is the power of God to produce heaven on earth. The, the blessing is the power of God to produce heaven on earth. Can you say that? The blessing to produce heaven on earth. Say it again. The blessing is the power of God. So then God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion over it. In other words, make earth look like heaven. Now, God, when God made, uh, before God made Adam, God made a place. Uh, he planted a, a place called the Garden of Eden. Now, Eden looked like heaven. But the whole earth did not. The whole earth had been uh, void and formless and all these chaos had hit the earth. You all know that, right? And so when God made Adam, God gave Adam the job of making the earth look like heaven. Hallelujah. So that's why God tells Adam, he says, he says the Bible says he blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply. Fill the earth, subdue, 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 which means bring the earth under you. So all those weeds out there, all those issues out there, rather, because there weren't weeds at that time, all those issues out there, bring it under you. In other words, thank you, Holy Spirit. So, so Adam is made in the image of God. Adam was so godlike, it shocked the devil when the devil saw him. Because the devil had been kicked out of heaven, and the devil's in the earth. And when all of a sudden, here comes Adam and Eve showing up, the devil is shocked out of his pants. In other words, what are you doing here? Adam looks up, I mean, the Bible says Adam, he was dressed in fire and glory from the loins down, from the loins up. Adam was made, I mean, he looked like God. So because he looks like God and, and heaven is on the inside of him, when he subdues the earth, he's supposed to make the earth look like heaven. How's he going to do that? By the blessing. Everybody say the blessing. 
God blessed him and said to him. God didn't just say to him. The Bible says God blessed him, blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it. Y'all got it? Now, you and I know that, that Adam blew it, but the last Adam, you know, 1 Corinthians 15 talks about the first Adam, this Adam we know in creation, but then there's the last Adam, Jesus Christ. So the last Adam comes along and he restores everything back to what Adam had lost. Y'all got it? Adam had fallen down from the blessing down the toil. You remember that, right? Adam, when he sinned, Adam and Eve sinned. All of a sudden, God tells him that from now on to eat, you're going to have to, by the toil, by the, by the sweat of your brow, by your toil, you're going to bring forth. Whereas he was going to bring forth by the blessing, now the toil is going to bring forth. And not very well. Hallelujah. Are y'all following along with me? In other words, when God first created Adam and released this blessing on Adam, Adam's going to produce everything God told him to produce. He's going he's to produce heaven on earth by the blessing. But now because of sin and he loses that dominion, he loses that image, he loses that likeness, he loses that blessing that's upon him, now he's got to toil for a living. And so everybody born into the earth is born into that same condition where you toil for a living. And that's when people are born into the earth. They, they learn to go to, you go to school 12 years and get your diploma. Then you go to school another four years, eight years, or 10 years, or, or you go to some trade school, or you do something. You become an apprentice. You do something to learn how to toil your own way. You, you learn how to toil your own. You, you find your own neck of the toil. I toil in construction. I toil in cooking. I, I, I toil in acting. I toil in football. Or This is still toil. You got to go and, I'm a football player. I make millions, but you still get your head bashed in and your knees busted up. You're still toiling. And so in that toil, uh, the blessing is not operating. But when Jesus Christ, the last Adam came, he came to reestablish the blessing upon us. Hallelujah. Now, I want, I, something I want you to know about this here, that, remember, the blessing, we're calling it, now, I'm, I'm, not, just, I'm not throwing out our former definitions. I'm adding to this. The blessing is the empowerment to prosper. But I, I'm showing you the blessing is also the power of God. This is what I want you to see in your life, to produce heaven on earth. And note this next part. The blessing releases grace. The blessing releases grace. It's grace, remember I taught you last couple weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago, is a divine enablement. It's the ability which God supplies. It's the ability which God supplies. Y'all remember that? It's the ability, y'all looking at me? It's the ability which God supplies. So the, the only way Adam could produce heaven on earth is by God giving him an ability. So overall, we call it the blessing, but what blessing, the blessing releases on you is something called grace. Hallelujah. 
grace is released on us. The Bible says in the book of John chapter 1 that the, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So when he came, he came to reestablish this grace. Now we know grace, you see in Old Testament, we know the word favor. But when you see grace, New Testament, it's an ability. Grace and ability of God. Now it's, it's because of his favor. Don't, don't, we can't take from that, take from that. It's because of his favor. Hallelujah. Everybody doesn't get it, but it's available to anybody. So his favor comes on us. Because we, didn't, we don't deserve this. But what that, what that does is it gives us an ability. 1 Peter 4, 11 says it's the ability that God supplies. So there's an ability that God supplies. Now, remember, I told you this last week, I think, uh, well, when I first taught this three weeks ago. I'm going to teach on this. I got to get you through this part first here. Then I'm going to show you, uh, we, we sing the song about amazing grace. I want to show you that his grace is awesome, uh, that his grace uh, encompasses three things. A, his ability, B, his wisdom, and C, his energy. That when you get the grace of, you, am I going too fast? That when you get, <laughs> I'll slow down if you want me to. When you get the grace of God, you're getting his ability, you're getting his wisdom, you're getting his energy. You need all three. You need all three. You need God's ability, you need God's wisdom, and you need his energy to get it done. Y'all got this here. So God is releasing grace. So grace, grace then, uh, the blessing releases grace. It's a divine enablement. All right? Now, remember in Ephesians 4, you better put a, get, a, get it on your Bible because we don't have it on the screen. So you got to, uh, I, I got to slow down a little bit to let y'all get this in your Bible. Ephesians 4, 7. Ephesians 4, 7. You're in Romans right now, right? If you're in Romans, go towards the back of the book, towards Revelation, and you're going hit, to hit a book called Ephesians. Ephesians. Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Right? When you hit Ephesians, go to chapter 4, and you'll see in chapter 4, uh, verse, verse 7, comes right after verse 6, and verse 7 says, but to each one of us, what? Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So to each one of us, grace was given. To how many of us? So everyone, now this us is the body of Christ. Don't, don't get it wrong. It's not to the world. To each one of us, the world, the church, grace was given. Ephesians is, a, is one of the most profound books to the church. It's one of the most powerful books to the church. If you want to understand who you are in the ecclesia, in the church, you need to read the book of Ephesians. You'll find out who you are in the church, in the body of Christ. So Ephesians 4, 7 says that to each one of us, grace was given according to the what? The measure of of Christ's gift. So there we could we could really summarize that and say that we've received a measure of grace. Just like in Romans, uh, I think it's Romans 12, 3 says we receive the measure of faith. Ephesians 4, 7, we could summarize that and say we receive a measure of grace. But what I told you a couple few weeks ago, three weeks ago, was that you don't have to uh, live on that same small measure. Just like you can increase your faith, you can increase in grace. 2 Peter 3.18, you don't have to turn there. 2 Peter 3.18 says this, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But grow in grace. Everybody say grow in grace. Tell your neighbor, grow in grace. So this grace you have, you can grow in it. Hello? You can increase it. Hallelujah. 
and for, thank you, Lord. And the greater, uh, the, the more you step into your assignment, the greater the grace must be on your life. Remember I told you I'm, I'm going to get eventually to where I talk about your, your kingdom identity, your kingdom purpose, your kingdom assignment, and your kingdom destiny, your kingdom iPad. Everybody has a kingdom iPad. I'm not an Apple person, but I do have a kingdom iPad. And in that, I'm going to find out my identity, my purpose, my assignment, my destiny. And, and in, in all of that, great, the, as, I, as I progress in that, I need more grace. So there's a scripture uh, that we, you don't want to turn to it. I don't have time for it. James 4, 6, the Bible says that he gives more grace. Say that. He gives more grace. Say it again. He gives more grace. Then in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, if you just write these down. <laughs> this is this review. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, the Bible says that grace and peace can, are multiplied to us. So notice he gives more grace, but now we see that grace can be multiplied. How many of y'all know, understand multiplication? Multiplication is a quicker form of addition. You can do 2 plus 2 plus 2 plus 2, or you can do 2 times 4. You're going to get the same answer, the same place, but you get there a lot quicker. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You can count all the tiles in a room and try to figure out square footage, or you can multiply length time width. Did I get that right? Did I get that right, math people? Length times width is the area of a square or of a rectangle. Okay, so I can, I can multiply and get there a lot faster. So the Bible says that we, we saw first that he gives more grace, but now we see grace can be multiplied. Hallelujah, say multiplied. multiplied. Then we saw in Romans 5.17 that the Bible says that we can receive an abundance of grace. So we've gone from just a measure of grace to, to, to uh, more grace to grace multiplied. Now we see what, we, what we're looking for is an abundance of grace. And Romans 5.17, make sure you have this written down somewhere, that if you have an abundance of grace, you reign as a king in life. Oh, you've got to get it. Remember now, God made Adam a king. Adam... Adam was what we call in, in theology a regent king. Adam ruled the region called earth. Earth was his region. Adam wasn't called to rule Jupiter and Saturn and the moon and Uranus and Pluto or any other galaxy. He was called to rule the earth, to rule and reign the earth. So the earth was his region. But as he multiplied, as Adam was, would multiply, as, as people would multiply, then the region of earth would be broken down into smaller regions. So I don't, I don't know if y'all ready for this. Whatever region God puts you in, you are assigned as a regent king. Boy, y'all are going to make me take my jacket off. You are assigned and anointed to be a regent king. You are here to rule and reign as kings. You are here to operate in dominion. You are blessed to bring heaven to earth. You are here to bring heaven on earth wherever you are. 
You're here to change and transform a nation, change and transform a city, change and transform a region, change and transform a community, change and transform a neighborhood, change and transform a block. Not to be subdued, but to subdue. So you need grace. Not just that measure. That first measure of grace is good enough for you. But you need more grace. And then you need multiplied grace. And by the time you get to an abundance of grace, you are able to reign as a king in life. Y'all don't make me sweat. Come out. You're able to reign now as a king in life. Everybody say, I am a king. And I know some of you women, you can say I'm a queen. That's what is up, up to you, whatever. But I'm talking about in the spirit because in the spirit, there's no male or female. I'm talking about you. You reign in royalty. You reign as God's underlord. Isn't, isn't he the king of kings? Isn't he the lord of lords? You and I are underlords. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you what, what the Bible really talks about. You read the 34th Psalm, we are really landlords. Everything you see throughout Scripture, the whole, the whole, whole issue, the whole point of our inheritance is to inherit the earth. It is to inherit land. Hallelujah. Do you, thank you, Lord. Do you know that that's... Go, go to... Uh, pause here. Pause my clock. Go to Genesis. Genesis... 28. I, I, I need you to see this here. Genesis 28. You need to see this in your Bible. Because I, I want you to see, because some of y'all are still, still trying to fill me out. Genesis 28, and, and starting at verse 3, 3, 3 and 4 is all, that's all we need. Genesis 28, 3 and 4. I, I need you to see this. Everybody say, I'm blessed. Amen. Remember that blessing that was on, that was on, on, on Adam? Remember uh, after the flood? You remember the flood? Who was in the flood? Noah. What did God do after the flood? What did God do after the flood? He blessed Noah. He didn't say, okay, go out, Noah, just go out there and start and do what you want to do. He, he, had to, he had to release that blessing again. He blessed Noah. Now then later on down the road, we see Noah's descendant, uh, uh, Abraham, come along. Because even after God blessed Noah, thank you, Holy Spirit, mm, my God. After God blessed Noah and Noah was serving God, by the, that was in Genesis 6 when the flood came. By the time you get to Genesis chapter, chapter 11, they're out there worshiping idols again. They're trying to build this tower. They're going to be, be their own people. And God has to find and search, and he has to search and find somebody who's going to serve him. So when you get to Genesis chapter 12, we're introduced to, well, we, we learn more about this blessing that comes on Abraham. God blessed Abraham. God blessed Abraham. God blessed Abraham. Now, what is this blessing all about? Genesis 28, we see now uh, Abraham's grandson, Jacob. Look at this, Genesis 28, verse 3 and 4. Are you there? This is what Isaac, who is Abraham's son, speaks over his son. It's the same blessing he received from his father. Now this is coming down from Abraham to Isaac, now to Jacob. Notice what it says, verse 3. May God Almighty do what? Bless you and make you what? And now remember what we saw, what he said in, in Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply. So notice this blessing is going to do the same thing for everybody. 
This blessing is going to make you fruitful. This blessing is going to make you multiply. This blessing is going to increase your life. This blessing is going to empower you to prosper. I wish I had three more amens. I'll keep going. He says that you may be an assembly of peoples. Now watch verse 4. Verse 4. And give you what? The what? The blessing of who? To you and your descendants with you that or so that you may inherit the land in which you are stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So the blessing of Abraham is for you to inherit the land, not just for you to build a big house, it's for you to be a regent king over territory. Okay, throw, throw, give me, uh, well, y'all can't skip, you can't sit. Galatians 3.13 and 14, Galatians 3.13 and 14, I'm all over the place right now, y'all just flow with me. Galatians 3.13 and 14, remember Christ came to reestablish this thing, right? Galatians 3.13 and 14 says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14, that or so that the what? Blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So what that's telling me is this same blessing of Abraham we read in Genesis 28 to inherit land because of Christ, it comes on us. Why? So we can inherit land not just to build a big house but to become regent kings over territory. What I'm trying to get somebody to understand is God has big plans for your life. God has major plans for your life. He's way past your rent. He's way past your light bill. He's way past your phone bill. He's way past how you're going to eat next week. God has a land set aside for you and somebody else is on it. But they're not appointed and they're, they're not anointed to be a king over it. Because they refuse to adhere to his ways. But you. I'm going to stay on this side. But you who will heed his voice. But you who will live the life. But you who will follow his word. But you who will fear him. But you who will serve him. But you who will honor him. You are appointed and you are anointed and you are blessed to preside over a region. Oh, boy. Okay, man. So I need something called grace. I got carried away on that whole reign in life thing here. Acts 4.33 says, tells me that with great grace comes great power. The Bible says that with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and great grace was upon them all. So when great grace comes on you, great power shows up in your life. Resurrection life power. They were casting out devils. They were healing the sick. They were even raising the dead. They were lepers, opening blind eyes. They were doing all these great things because great grace was upon them. So grace enables you to do what you can do on your own, you need the power of God to manifest in your life. 
Hallelujah. Everybody say grace. grace. More grace. grace. Multiply grace. Abundance of grace. Great grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, now, Romans 5, that's what we left off last uh, time we were in this message here. Romans 5, therefore, I'm at verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen? Through whom also, through whom also we have. So not only do we have peace with God, but it says we also have access by faith into this grace. So faith gives us access into this grace. So we know grace must be beyond favor because favor has nothing to do with your work. So this grace must be about God's ability. It must be about getting us into this blessing, into this blessing release called grace. So by faith, we have access into this grace. Now, I dealt with this last time. It, the first thing we saw about grace, it says this grace in which we stand. Everybody say we stand. We stand. So the first thing I taught about uh, three weeks ago was that grace enables us to stand. So make sure you have that written down. Grace enables us to stand, or you can put stand in place. Grace enables us to stand, to stand in place. See, you and I, if we, if we know how to tap into grace, we will never give up room to the enemy. This word stand is not talking about just simply me like I'm standing here on my two feet and my two legs and my hips. And it's not talking about just standing here physically. This word stand is a military term. It's a, it's a stand. It's, it's a term uh, that talks about resistance. In fact, uh, I wish we had on the screen, but you can't see this. It's, it's the Greek word histemi, uh, uh, which means to make firm, means to fix or to establish. It means to cause, listen to this part. To cause a person or a thing to keep his or her, his or its place. To keep your place. To be kept intact. When the enemy is assaulting you, he's trying to get you discombobulated. When the enemy is assaulting your mind, when the enemy is attacking your body, he's trying to get you to move out of your place. He knows that if he can get you out of your place, you will not get to where God wants you to be. He knows that if he can get you out of your place, you will never arrive at that place that God has called you to be. So he tries to get you out of your place through attacks. Persecution, tribulation, trials, testing, temptations. Has anybody been through any of that? But the Bible says that we access by faith this grace in which we stand. And the reason why you and I are still standing, if we're still standing, is not because of our fortitude. Not because of our resilience. It's because of his grace. Paul said, if not for the grace of God, there go I. 
He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. If it hadn't been for God's grace, I wouldn't still be here. If it hadn't been for God's grace, you wouldn't still have your right mind. If it wasn't for God's grace, you would not be alive today. It's the only reason you're still standing in the midst. Because if you, anybody been through a storm, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been under attack, you know what I'm talking about. You didn't stand by your own willpower. You had to tap into something above, beyond yourself. That when the devil hit, hit you with his best shot, you took a licking, but you keep on ticking. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Like Tom X watches, I take a licking, but I, I, I keep on ticking. I'm still here by the grace of God. So grace allows me to stand in my place, in place. It means to keep, to be kept intact, to escape in safety, to establish a thing, to cause it to stand, to uphold or sustain the authority or force of anything, to uphold the authority or force of anything. So when I tap into grace, I don't lose my authority. I don't lose my force. I'm just as strong today as I was last week. And I might, I might, I might look like I'm, I'm, I'm down, but on the inside, I'm still as strong today as I was last week. I'm still as strong today as I was last year. I've been through it, but I'm still as strong. It means to stand unharmed. It means to stand ready and prepared. It means... To be of a steadfast mind, one who does not hesitate, one who does not waver. By grace, we stand. Ephesians 4.27, I want you to put, the, I was going to say put on the screen, put, on, put your eyes on it. Ephesians 4.27, remember y'all, Ephesians, we were there a minute ago, you know how to get there now, right? Ephesians 4.27 we were in Ephesians 4, 7 a little while ago. Ephesians 4, 27, it says this, nor give place, so give no place to the devil. Tell your neighbor, give no place to the devil. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you that word place from the Greek. It means, it's the Greek word uh, tapos, T-O-P-O-S. Which means, listen, this is this very good. Remember I told you, you're a regent king. You rule over an area. Some of you, you may be ruling just right now over your own bedroom. Some of you may, just, may be ruling over your own home. Some of you may be ruling over a company. Some of you may be ruling over a neighborhood. In other words, you've taken the authority over your neighborhood. As a church, we're taking rulership over this city. To rule this city. Uh-huh. They might think they rule it, but no, we rule the city. You understand that? And so this word tapas means place. Listen to this. Any portion or space marked off. That's marked off. In other words, um, you, you, will you mark off your territory? And you say, devil... Thank you, Holy Ghost. I, I, I didn't see that. When the, when the children of Israel were in Egypt and the death angels were going to pass through, as a matter of fact, before the death angel passed through, the first nine plagues, the children of Israel lived in an in a area called Goshen. 
And when the lights came, when the flies came, when the blood came, when the darkness came, when the frogs came, when all those plagues came, it never affected them because there was a place that was marked off called Goshen that no matter what happened outside or around Goshen, it didn't affect what them, what happened in Goshen because it was marked off. And then on the 10th plague, when death was going to come to the firstborn sons, the firstborn sons of each household, God told them, slay a lamb, take blood from that lamb, and mark your lentils, mark your doorposts of your house. Why? What were they doing? They were marking off. That's why you and I must never forget to plead the blood over our families. Plead the blood over our children. Plead the blood over our ministry. That's why we always declare there's a five-mile bloodline around this church. What are we doing? We are marking off our territory and say, devil, you can come here, but you can't come any closer. Boy, I wish I had some sanctified Holy Ghost filled people here. I'm marking up my territory, and the Bible says give no place. Now, the thing about territory is as you grow, the more you grow, the more territory you conquer. That's why he said, fill the earth, subdue. Every time Adam would step out, he subdued more territory. He brought more territory. Uh, he made it subject to him. When you subdue, you make it subject to you. So what you, what you make subject to you, what you subdue, it's now marked out. It's now part of your territory, and you never give it up again. You never, ever give up any ground you have gained. Hallelujah. I don't know who I'm talking to. You never, ever, listen, the devil will try to strike you hard. The devil will make you feel like you're not making any progress. And there are times that you will feel like you're not making any progress. Times you will feel like you're not increasing, you're not growing. And I tell you that there will be times when you will, you will hit a stale place, a stalled place. But no matter what you do, even if you're not increasing, don't ever give up any ground that you've already gained. You may not be moving forward, but never go backward. I'm going to stay over here. This is the good side. You may not be moving forward, but whatever you do, don't go backwards. I dare you to find somebody to tell them, don't go backwards. Don't go backwards. Don't, don't let go of what God has given you. Don't let go of what God has blessed you with. Don't let go of what God has put in your authority. Don't let go of what God has put in your hand. Don't let go of what God has given you. Don't let go of the progress you have. Move forward and never go backwards. And if you can't move forward, just march in place. Just stand. I was never in the army, but I was in the marching band. And they taught us that when you, we call it, we just march in place. Mar we can't go any farther, but we gonna, we're not going to go back. We never went backwards. We're just going to march in place until the, once it clears, now we forward hold. We can move. But until then, you just stand and you march in place. Somebody say stand, 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 stand. Tell your neighbor, stand, stand. What do you do when you've done all you can? You just stand. 
I'm not getting anywhere. I know you ain't getting anywhere right now. Just stand where you are. Resist the devil. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Don't you flee. You submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Really, really, all you in is a standing contest. Uh, y'all, don't, you didn't catch it. I said all you're in is in a standing contest. The devil trying to stand against you. He's trying to resist you. He don't want to give up his territory. Y'all missed it. He doesn't want to give up his territory. So he's going to stand against you. And then you're going to stand against him. Because he's trying to push you back and take your territory. You're trying to push him back and take his territory. But Jesus said, he said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. So when you move against his gates, he can't resist you. So, but if you feel like you, it's tough, just stand where you are. Don't, don't give up any ground. Don't give up any ground. Okay, all right, now. You just stand. So grace enables me to stand in place. So I refuse to give up any room, any ground to the enemy. Now, so Romans 5 again says, through whom, verse 2, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So this grace in which we stand But it doesn't stop there. It says, and rejoice in hope. So it's in this grace, this grace that allows us to rejoice in hope. Hallelujah. So grace enables us to rejoice in hope. So not only do I stand, I resist, I hold pat, but I also rejoice in hope hope. This is by grace. Because you don't feel like rejoicing. When the devil is oopsing all upside your head, you don't feel like rejoicing. When he's bringing all kind of sorrow against your soul, you don't feel like rejoicing. But the Bible says that by this grace, you rejoice in hope. So I'm not rejoicing about what I'm going through. I'm rejoicing in hope. The reason why I don't quit. That's why the psalmist said over in Psalm 27, right around verse 13 or so, he says, I would have fainted. I would have fainted. I would have quit. I would have given out except I believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So he rejoiced in hope. The reason why he didn't throw in the towel, the reason why you can't quit, the reason why you don't, you don't blow up is because you have a hope that something's going to come. Oh, I got to teach this here. Grace allows me to look forward. Beyond my current condition, because I know that heaven's conditions will manifest on the earth. Remember now, this grace is released by the blessing. 
I don't know if y'all caught that. This grace, this, this, this is higher level teaching right here tonight, y'all. You, you can't be an elementary mindset. Get, get, get your dunce cap off tonight. You got you to gotta be grabbing a hold of this word tonight. This is higher level teaching here. Grace is released by the blessing. And remember, the blessing is going to cause heaven to manifest on earth. So the reason why I can rejoice in hope and look beyond my current conditions is because I know that because of the blessing and release, it has released grace, that something's going to be changed in my condition on the earth. So I rejoice in hope. And we know if you were to look in Romans 5, um, verse, verse 5 says hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. So if you stay in hope and you let grace carry you through, you will not be disappointed. That's why you rejoice. Y'all got your Bibles? Look at Proverbs 23, verse 17 and 18. Proverbs 23, verse 17 and 18. Look at this real quick. Proverbs 23, verse 17 and 18. Hallelujah. Are y'all learning anything tonight? Proverbs 23, verse 17 and 18. You got it? Y'all still finding it? Proverbs 23, verse 17 and 18. Are we there yet? Do not let your heart... Envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord. How long? Verse 18. Read it. Ready? For surely there is, and your King James, I think, says, surely there is an end. In other words, whatever you're dealing with right now, Brother Thomas, there is an end. Whatever the devil is bringing against your life, he says, surely there is an end. There is a hereafter. There is a hereafter. There is a hereafter. I'm not celebrating. I'm not happy about where I am here right now, but I'm looking forward to the after here. There will be glory after this. There will be victory after this. After you have suffered a little while, after you have suffered a little while, he will strengthen you. He will establish you. He will settle you after you have suffered a little while. So, so in the meantime, where I am, even though it doesn't look good, <laughs> I'm going to keep rejoicing, not because of where I am, but because of my hope for where I'm going. And hope does not disappoint. That's why the Bible says, do not cast away your confidence. Hebrews 10.35, he, do not cast away your confidence because it has an exceeding, it has a great reward attached to it. As long as you don't cast away your confidence, your hope, your expectation, you're going to get there. Tell your neighbor, you're going to get there. You're going to get there. I dare you to tell somebody else, you're going to get there. You're going to get there. I dare you to find somebody else and tell them, you're going to get there. You're going to get there. Don't you quit in the middle of it. Praise God in the middle of it. Sing your song in the middle of it. Rejoice in the middle of it. Dance in the middle of it. Shout in the middle of it. Rejoice in your hope. All right, let me keep going. Let me keep going. Let me keep going. Romans 8.25 says this. Romans 8.25. Romans 8.25 says this. But if we hope, listen to this. 
But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. If we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. The reason for the perseverance is because while you're waiting, there's an enemy who wants to knock you off your place. That's why the first thing you do by grace is stand. And once you get your spiritual footing, now you rejoice. <laughs> that shot comes to knock you off and whoa, 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 whoa. Once you get your standing back, now I better rejoice. Because the more, thank you, Holy Ghost, the more the attacks come, the more I know I'm close. Y'all going to make me quit and go home. The more the attack intensifies, the closer I am to my promise. So every time the attack comes, if I, I get my standing back, the more I rejoice. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm excited because I'm close. I'm I must be closer than I was yesterday because the attack turned up today. Boy, I must be real close. And I will persevere because hope will not disappoint. Why do we hope? It's because we know. Somebody say, I know. See, the reason why I don't quit, the reason why I rejoice in the middle of it is because I know. I'm not just trying something. I'm operating in faith. And my faith, it begins where the will of God is known. I got a word from the Lord. So since I got a word from the Lord, then I'm not going to quit. And once I got a word, I know something's going to happen. How can you be so confident? Well, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, 1 John 5, 14 and 15, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the things we ask of him. I know, I know, I know, I know. The reason why I rejoice is because I know, I know, I know, I know. I got a confidence and I know and I know that I know that I know. This is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. If we know he hears us, we also know we have the things we ask of him. I conf I'm confident because I know and I know what I know. When you know that you know that you know, then it doesn't matter what the devil says. I know what I know. Because he's a liar anyway, Elder Jeff. The devil can't trick me out of what I know. See, thank you, Holy Ghost. Some of us need to get to the place where we know something. Not just trying something. Not just thinking something. We know. And the reason some folk quit is because they didn't get time. They didn't take time to know. But once you know. I know what God's word says. 
Y'all know Romans 8, 28? And we know. Oh, y'all don't know it. And we know that all things. Oh, y'all not catching it. Y'all know Romans 8, 28 on this side? And we know. So once you know. You can't be shaken. Elder Baker, we used to sing a song back in the day. I, I don't know how many of y'all old enough to remember back in the day. Back in the day, we sing the song, Don't Wait Till the Battle's Over. Why? You know in the end. So some folk, they won't shout, they won't dance, they won't smile. Till they get a breakthrough. But when you already know that in the end you're going to win, you don't wait till the battle's over. You shout. Now, I don't know who tonight in here you're going through something, the devil's beating all inside your head, but I dare you to give God a big shout right now if you know. You know. I know that I know that I know that I know that I know I know I know I know I win. So I ain't got to wait till some battle's over. I don't have to wait till I get a breakthrough. The breakthrough's already in my spirit. I already know I win. I win. It's working for my good. It's turning around right now. I know. So I rejoice in hope. Sit down, sit down, sit down. I only have a few minutes. I know, I know, I know. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen, 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 listen. Listen. Your soul contains your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your soul contains your thinker, chooser, and feeler. But your spirit is your knower. Your soul has your thinker, feeler, and chooser, but your spirit has your knower. So even when my soul feels like it's going crazy, even when my soul feels like it don't want to praise, I command my soul to praise because my spirit knows it's going to work out. My spirit knows it's already done. And if my soul ain't with it, I say, soul, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Because I know in my spirit that, that's, the reason why, that's the reason why you can't let yourself drop down to the function of your soul. Because your soul will have you all crazy. Your soul will have you all over the place. But your spirit knows. Your spirit. Boy, I know. I know. I know. Hallelujah. I know what I know. I know. I know. I know. 
<laughs> I know what I know what I know. Glory to God. Soul, you're not in control. Soul, I subdue my soul. I subdue my soul. I subdue my soul. Soul, we're going to praise the Lord. You got to tell your soul. Soul, bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. You gotta, I mean, you got to tell your soul. Soul, listen, you, sometimes you got to talk to yourself. Your spirit got to talk to your soul. Soul, bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. Oh, he forgives all my iniquities and he heals all my diseases. He crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. He redeems my life from destruction. He satisfies my mouth with the good things and renews my youth as eagles. So you better bless him. Now, okay. Please be seated. Look at, are you in Romans again? Go back to Romans 4. Romans 4. Because I want to show you this example of this here. Abraham knew from experience that God's grace was at work in his life. So he knew to rejoice even when things seemed hopeless. In Romans 4... Verse 16, I'm going to start there. Romans 4, verse 16. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to what? Grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, as it is written, now notice the word that, note that Abraham gets. I have made you a father I mean, in Asia, in the presence of him who believed God, him, so Abraham believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Notice this verse 18. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed so that he became. So remember, God had said already, I have made you. But if he had given up hope and not believed, he would not have been made. So what God has spoken was a potential thing to him. It was a reality in heaven, but you don't get heaven's reality on earth unless you apply your faith and access grace. Well, that's good, a good, a good, a good, a good. You don't get heaven's reality on earth unless you apply your faith and access God's grace. And so he in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider, come on, already dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he did not waver. Remember that word, stand. You don't waver, right? At the promise of God through unbelief. But was strengthened in faith. How? How? In other words, he was rejoicing in hope. Yeah. And being fully convinced of what God had promised, he was also able to perform. 
So Abraham, in the midst of what seemed hopeless, maintained his hope and rejoiced. He maintained his hope and gave God glory. And because he gave God glory, he was strengthened in faith. The more glory he gave, the more his faith uh, grew. The more, you, the more you thank God for what he said, the more your faith grows. The more you speak and, and recall and confess and rehearse what God said, the more your faith grows. The more you say it, the more you see it. That's simple right there. The more you say it, the more you see it. The more you say what God said, the more you see it. I don't, I'm not talking about with your eyes. I'm talking about in your spirit. And that allows you to then rejoice in your hope. Okay, let me do this last thing here. I got, I got, um, hallelujah. My goodness. Okay, I'm going to deal with this last one in these last few minutes. So I told you grace enables me to stand in place. Grace enables me to rejoice in hope. Last thing from Romans 5, it enables me, according to verse 3, to glory in tribulations. To glory. And I'm saying last thing, that's just the last one I'm going to cover because there's another one down there later on in, in, in chapter 5. Um, I won't cover here. Hallelujah. It's, it's, it's found in verse 11 where he says, not only that, but we also rejoice in God. There's another one. I'm not just not going to cover that one. I want to deal with this glory and tribulations here. So grace enables us to glory in tribulations. Y'all got a few minutes. Now, that word glory comes from the same Greek word as the word rejoice. We just read here, back here. So I rejoice in hope. Glory and tribulations, they come from the exact same Greek word. But what's the word? I can't tell you because I couldn't pronounce it. Because I couldn't pronounce it, I didn't even bother to give it to you. I try. Y'all know I try. I try to pronounce all the words, but this one just is beyond me. But this word, literally when you see both words, it literally means to rejoice. Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It means to boast. To boast, to boast, to talk big, to talk bad, to talk like an overcomer, <laughs> to talk like a winner. <laughs> One thing the devil is always after is your tongue because he knows that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And what he tries to get us to do is to use our tongues to agree with him. But you got to make sure, we must make sure we don't let the devil influence us to use our tongues to say what he says. But rather than say what he said, go the full other end of the spectrum and boast. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. 
So talk big and brag about your God in the midst of tribulation. Nebuchadnezzar, we are, we will not be careful to talk to you about the situation. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? <laughs> they said, the God we serve, he is able to deliver us from this fiery furnace. He said, and even if you don't change your mind. Even if you still throw us in, he is still able to deliver us and we will not bow. They were talking big. They were, the fire is hot. Turn up seven times. And they're talking big. They're talking bad. They're bragging on their God about how powerful their God is. We ain't even scared of your little fire. We ain't even scared of your, uh, your, your little ire. We are serving the Lord our God. Throw us in if you want to. We're not going to bow. Our God is able to deliver us. They talk big. And what happens? The king says, I'm going to give you one more chance. They say, well, you ain't got to give us no more chance. We ain't going to throw. We, our God is big. He got mad. Bound the three Hebrew boys up. You know, you don't know the story? Bound those three Hebrew boys up, threw them into the midst of the fire. And the Bible says the fire is so hot that the men who bound them and threw them in, they, they died from the heat. But here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They fell down into the fire, the Bible says. But Nebuchadnezzar looks up and says, wait a minute. Did we not throw in three men bound in the fire? And do I not now see four men walking around loose? And the fourth man has the appearance of the Son of God? When you brag on God, he'll show up for you. When you boast about your God, he'll show up on your behalf. When you talk big about your God, he'll manifest his glory. When you talk big about your God, he will deliver you. He will set you free. He'll be with you in the fire and bring you out, and your hair won't even smell like fire. So tell your neighbor you got a boast. You got a boast. You got a boast. Oh, man. Okay, go, 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 go one place. Go, go one place. Go 2 Corinthians. You're in Romans, go to 2 Corinthians. And we'll, we'll wrap this up right here. I'm, I'm past time here. 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12. Now, y'all know who wrote um, Romans that we've been reading from, right? Who wrote it? Paul. Paul. Now, Paul, we're going we to see his story. He also writes 2 Corinthians and 1 Corinthians. And he, he talks about this story in 2 Corinthians 12. And uh, I'm going to read this here. Because remember I told you that Greek word for, for glory and rejoice, they're the same word, and they literally mean to boast. So we're going to see this same, that same Greek word, which I cannot pronounce. It's all over chapter 12. But in New King James, it translates it as boast. So when you see this word boast, I want you to think rejoice and glory and tribulation. So look at 
2 Corinthians 12, verse 1. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. He says, I will come to visions and revelation of the Lord. So he says, it's not profitable for me to boast, but I I, got to tell you about some visions and revelations. One, he's going to tell us about something he's already had, but two, he's also saying to us that he will come to more visions and revelations. The more you boast about God, the more he's going to show you. (laughs) See, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to say this here. You cannot come out of a tribulation and not be changed. You cannot come through a trial and not be transformed. If you've ever been anything through anything for real, for real in your life, you are not the same person now as you were when you went in. You're going to come out seeing better and knowing better. Visions and revelations. (laughs) He says... I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up in, into the third, to the third heaven. Now, many theologians uh, would, would attest that this is perhaps happened that time when uh, Paul was stoned to death. Remember that? He, was, he had been stoned to death, but when the disciples came gathered around him, he got up. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know it doesn't take long to have a vision. You can... You can, you can die and go to heaven. You can, you can have a vision or a trance and go to heaven, take three seconds, but it feel like you've been there, you went there three years. You understand that? Because you step out of time. Okay. I mean, y'all know this. Some of y'all, you've, you doze off while you sit at your desk at work. <laughs> right? Am I right about it? You doze off at work, and it was like five seconds but you felt like you had a whole dream about your whole vacation. You dreamt about everything in the world. But it was, it was five seconds. You had a whole dream. Am I right about it? Okay. You step out of time. He says, I don't know, but God knows this man was caught up to the third heaven. Verse 3. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast. I'm going to boast about this guy but not about me. That sounds crazy because he's not sure if it was him or not. But what is going to apply to us is that something happened by the grace of God that he knows it wasn't his natural. So I'm not ever going to boast in the flesh. I have no confidence in the flesh. God will have no no flesh glory in his presence. Y'all getting this here? Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast except in mine. He says, except in my infirmities. So yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. Verse 6, for though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool for I will speak the truth, but I will refrain lest anyone should think of me above uh, what he sees me to be or hears from me. Verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the, of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to do what? Buffet me. So Satan is upset about the ground that Paul is gaining. 
Paul is getting all kind of revelation, and he's getting an abundance of revelations, and he's getting abundance from the revelations. Remember, Paul is the one that had a vision, and he talked about in Ephesians 3.8 how God has given him the grace to preach and teach the unsearchable riches of Christ. He learned that on this trip to heaven. He saw things that were beyond measure. So he's getting an abundance, and he has the assignment of bringing that abundance revelation to the people of, of God. My goodness. Verse 8, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, what? My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God's strength is made perfect in weakness or our weakness. Therefore, here it is, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities. Why? So I will rather, now what kind of fool boasts about infirmities? An infirmity is, means a weakness. What kind of sane person brags, or I, I, I hate to use the word brag because it has a negative connotation. What kind of person talks big about their infirmities? Except a person who knows that in my infirmities, by faith I access a grace. So, God, thank you, Holy Ghost. I'm going to say this and we can quit. So, as long as you keep thinking big and talking big about yourself, you never access the grace of God. But when you confess, when you realize, God, if you don't help me, I can't be helped. God, if you don't come through, I will not make it. God, if you don't do it, it can't be done. God, if you don't fix it, it can't be fixed. God, if you don't heal me, I shall not be healed. God, if you don't deliver me, if you don't save me, I shall not be delivered and saved. God, if you don't do it, it won't be done. And when you say, God, I'm weak, when you say you are weak, then he says, good, now I'm strong in your weakness. And when you tap into his grace, the Bible says, now that the grace or that the power of Christ may rest upon you. As long as you're trying to do it in your own power, his power won't rest on you. As long as you still got another idea. Boy, I wish I had one more witness. As long as you have one more plan, you know, plan B and another plan C, I'm, I got one more, I'm going to try this one more thing. As long as you keep trying one more thing, God can never put his hand on your life. As long as you got one more idea, as long as you're going to talk to one more person. But when you come to the end of yourself, when I am weak, then is he strong. He says... Therefore, most gladly, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. Boast. I know I ain't smart enough for that. God's telling you to get a property. I know I can't afford that. 
This is going to have to be God. God's giving you a big dream for ministry. And I know I ain't qualified for that. Who going to listen to me? I can't even talk right. But when you recognize your weakness, your inability, your insufficiency, I'm not talking about talking down about yourself. I'm talking about being real with yourself. I know I'm not all that. By the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. If not for God's grace, I don't know where I'd be. And when you talk about that, you boast in that, and you boast about, yeah, I can't do it, but I serve a God who is well able to deliver me. And when you do that, you can step into things of God. I want to share one last thing with you here. Because the, the issue is, he says, grace enables us to glory in our tribulations. Acts 14.22. Is this what I want you to get before we move into the next section of this next week? Acts 14.22. Paul and his team went back, strengthened the disciples, the Bible says, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Now, when you're saved, you're already in the kingdom of God. So he's not talking about getting saved. He's saying when you Every time you pass through a tribulation, you come out on the other end of it. You enter a new dimension of revelation and a new dimension of operation. Well, I don't know if y'all grab a hold of that. See, you, you can stay on the church level, stay on the good religious level. I'm just a good Christian level all your life. But if you, will, if you will go through tribulation triumphantly, go through tribulation with an open heart, not, God, why am I going through this? That's the wrong attitude. Why me, why me, why me? No, that's the wrong attitude. It's when you're going through, count it all joy. Because you know that tribulation, go, go back to Romans 5, we'll, we'll close out. Let's, let's, go, let's close it out. Let's close it out. Romans 5, 3, knowing that tribulation works or develops patience or perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. So, in the King James, it's, put, put, give me the King James. I want you to hear it in the King James. Put, put, give me the King James. Uh, Romans 3, I mean Romans 5, verse 3 through 5. Watch this. I'm going to quit, I promise. You, you can go, go on home. Now I want to be glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh 
That word worketh means to develop like a muscle. Tribulation, when you go through something, it develops your patience. Verse 4, and patience develops experience, and experience develops hope. So what that means is every time you go through, now you come out with experience. So the next time you go through, you're a lot less frantic. You know something. Hallelujah. People who go, go and ride the uh, uh, python at, at uh, Bush Gardens or, or one of those things, what? Huh? Shikra. If you ride it for the first time, it might kind of freak you out. <laughs> but after three or four or five times, it should be that you know every loop. You know you're going to rise, 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 then drop. But you know when you drop, you're not going to, I mean, it, looks, it feels like you're going to fall out of the earth, but you know it's going to drop and go right back up. And you, so the, the more you go through, the more confident you get that you're going to get to the end. So tribulation develops patience. And patience develops experience. And experience develops hope. So that, that's why you got to get around some people who've been through something. Because they, they have experience. And they don't quit and they don't cry as much as you cry. Because they've been through some, they have some experience. And they don't quit, they don't throw in the towel. Because they, they've been through, they have experience. And experience produces hope, and hope makes not a shame. Or the New King James says, hope does not disappoint. That's why we got to rejoice in hope and glory in tribulation. Because the more we go through it, tribulation is just working something. It's working, it's working, it's working, it's working, it's working, it's working. That's why, you know, what, what's that James uh, chapter 1? Uh, says, let patience have her perfect work. Right around verse 3 and 4 somewhere, James 1, 3 and 4, somewhere. Let patience have, verse 4, let patience have her have its perfect work that you may be perfect, perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So when you let patience work, let patience produce. Now you know you can make it. And once you know you can make it, now you can encourage somebody else to stand. What you going to do? I'm going to stand. What should I do, Pastor? Stand. How you know? Because I did. I had to do it before myself. I'm going to stand. People look at you sometimes like you've never been through something. Never been through anything. If they knew your story, the things you've been through, all the tribulations you've been through, they're looking at you, you smiling, looking good, dressed all nice, you got good perfume and cologne on, your hair all done, and they think you've never been through a whole thing in your life, and they don't know you've been through hell and high water, and you're still here? You've been through the fire and the flood, the storm and the rain, sickness and pain, and you're still here? Why you praise like you do? Oh, man, because I'm rejoicing. But, but I, I know you're going through something. Yeah, I know, but see, I, my experience tells me I'm going to go through this. Just like I went through that. God's going to bring me out of this. Just like he brought me out of that. So I'm going to rejoice in hope. I'm going to glory in tribulation. Amen. Do y'all receive that tonight?
Why don't you get on your feet and give God a big praise tonight? Come on, give God a big praise. Receive that. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Tell your neighbor, you're going to make it. I know. Because I've been through it. And I'm still here. <laughs> Some of the stuff I've been through. But I kept rejoicing. I kept giving God glory. I never lost my hope. Never cast away my confidence. And I'm stronger today because I didn't quit yesterday. I know more. I see more today. I operate on a different level today because of what I stood through yesterday. Hallelujah. And I've made in my mind I will never, ever give up any more ground to the enemy. I've marked out my territory. Hallelujah. Father, thank you tonight for the word. Thank you for your people. I pray that God, each person tonight has received the word of God with meekness. Your word says that when we receive the word with meekness, is able to save our souls. That when we receive the word of God uh, in truth, not as the word of men, but as your word, that it will work effectively in those who believe. And I pray, Father, that the word that has been sown tonight, that it falls upon, upon good ground and produces the hundredfold return that you sent it to produce. I thank you that, Father, that no word you speak is without power or impossible of fulfillment, but it shall go forth and it shall produce that which is sent it to produce in our lives. And I pray that these, your people, will have the resolve to access grace, by faith, to stand, to rejoice, and to glory. And then your word says down there in verse 11 of Romans 5, to joy in God. That God, our joy will be so strong in you. That God, we will not be movable, not be shakable ever again. I thank you that God, we shall see the victory. Because we know the victory belongs to us. So manifest the victory. Manifest heaven on earth for every household, every person represented here, God. Manifest heaven on earth, we pray. We give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.